Well, good morning, Community Church. If we haven't met, my name is Josh Lader, and I'm blessed with the chance to be uh, serving as one of the elders here at the church. Whether you're at your kitchen counter with your phone and a cup of coffee joining us this morning, or if you have your family gathered around in the living room, we are glad you are here today, and we welcome you. Thank you for joining us as we dive into God's Word this morning. We're in the middle of an interesting series. We're three weeks into an awesome series that's called Walk This Way. And the reason we're doing this series is because our mission here at Community Church is to lead people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. And what better way to make sure that our life is focused than to ask that question, in my life, as I walk this path through life, am I choosing the path of the fool or the path of the wise? If you missed the first two weeks, I encourage you to go online, go back and look at those sermons and listen to those because each week we'll build on the last and we hope you get a lot out of it as you make decisions to walk the awesome path that God has for you and is designed for you to be blessed and live a fulfilled life. This week we're looking at two different words. We're going to look at the difference between folly and wisdom. And we're going to break down what folly is, what wisdom is, and look how we can apply that to our lives. Last week, we took a look at what knowledge was, what real knowledge was, and we're going to look at how a life of wisdom allows you to apply that knowledge to reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Let's look at with, uh, folly for the start. Folly is an odd word. You may not use the word folly very much in everyday life, but it's a very important word for us to understand. Folly is a lack of discipline in our life. It's a lack of discipline in our decision-making and just chasing after different things on a whim because it looks good at the time because our emotions guide us that way. We, we have information and we have some knowledge, but we don't know how to apply it in our lives. And so we're just randomly making decisions that lack discipline. The problem with folly in our lives is that when we lack discipline, and I've done this too, when we lack discipline, one bad decision leads to another and it also makes it very easy for someone or something to get me off track because I don't have the wisdom to apply the knowledge and information that I've been given. So folly is actually mentioned in the Bible 37 times, and all 37 times it mentions that it doesn't lead anywhere good. Folly does not lead us closer to God, but wisdom does. Wisdom is actually mentioned in God's Word 218 times. And if God's Word is the map for my life as I traverse through life and walk this path God's given me, if he mentions it that many times and it's on my map that many times and it says things like chase it, pursue it, hold on to it, with everything you have, pursue knowledge and wisdom, I think it's something pretty important. But what is it? What is wisdom? Wisdom is a truth-based mindset. Wisdom is a truth-based mindset, and when I say truth, I mean being able to take the precepts and concepts that we learn in God's Word and asking Him for His wisdom to take the information, the knowledge, things that we've learned in life, and through God's eyes with a godly worldview, be able to put that information into the proper perspective and make wise decisions with the wisdom God gives us. Now, when we talk about wisdom and folly, I'm not saying that people that are making choices of folly are are not intelligent people. You can be very intelligent, you can have a multiple PhDs and still make decisions based on folly. The interesting thing is, knowledge can exist without wisdom, but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. Wisdom is the proper application to knowledge in our lives based on God's design to make sure we're choosing a wise path. So that's how we break down folly and wisdom today. And 
As we think about wisdom and folly and walking life's path, if you would with me, I want you to think about walking through a wilderness. Those people that know me know that I love the wilderness. I've been hiking and climbing and camping in, in over 40 states in this amazing country God's given us and some other countries. And I learn a lot in the wilderness that God has shown me applies to choosing between wisdom and folly. Let's think about my first time ever going on a wilderness trip. I was 14 years old. At 14 years old, I knew a little bit. I knew I had some gear. I knew about altitude. I knew we were going to go to the Wind River Range in Wyoming and hike. I knew which summit we were going to climb. I had a lot of little pieces of information. But my guide on that trip was one of my spiritual mentors and life mentors, and his name was Dennis. Dennis was a master guide. He knew how to take all of that information and keep me on the right path as we walked through that wilderness to make sure that I enjoyed the full benefit of that trip. But let's imagine that I ignored Dennis and I told the guide, I've got this, I've got it handled. What if as a 14-year-old, I said, I can make decisions on my own? That would have been folly. Here's what it would look like. Hey, that looks neat over there. I'm going to walk over there. Hey, what's over that ridge? I think I'll walk over there. There's some ominous clouds coming in. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. I have a rain jacket. Every decision I made would have led to another bad decision because I didn't know how to use the information available to me. I wouldn't have stayed on the straight path that was intended for me. I could have a map, but if I don't know how to orient the map to true north, it doesn't do me any good. It's just a picture I'm looking at as I wander lost. Topographical lines on a map. I know now that the closer they are together, there's danger there. It's a cliff, it's steep, I don't want to go that way. The wider they are, the smoother the path. Dennis was trying to teach me those things and he had the wisdom to guide me and I wouldn't have had that wisdom on my own. The best gear in the world, the best information in the world, would have been useless to me in that wilderness because I would have wandered alone not knowing where I was going because I was just chasing one thing at a time that looked neat at the moment, but in the end, didn't lead me to the fulfillment or the end goal that I was trying to attain. It would have been folly. It's important to see the parallel here in our lives because as I talk about Dennis, you notice I don't resent Dennis. He didn't let me wander over here. He didn't let me go look over that cliff. He didn't let me go wherever I wanted to go. It's not because he was keeping me on a short leash and he was trying to keep me from experience, it's because the guide loved me and knew me, knew the best path for me, and knew that if he taught me the wisdom he had, it would keep me safe, and it would give me the fulfillment I was seeking on the trip. God is very much the same way. One thing about folly, as we look at wisdom and folly in that context, and as we think about what folly would have been for me just wandering through that wilderness, I look at Proverbs 14, 24, and it makes a really good point to me. It says, The wealth of the wise is their crown, but folly of fools yields folly. Our first point today I want you to think about is that folly just leads to more folly. That's our first point. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. I'm not 14 anymore, 43 years old. I've had a lot of experience, and I've got a lot of things that I've done in wilderness areas, walking, hiking, traversing dangerous territory. But the difference is now, Instead of just having the gear, I've learned how to use that. Instead of having a little bit of knowledge, I've learned how to properly apply that knowledge to the path I'm walking to make sure I stay right where I'm supposed to be, to make sure I'm moving the direction I'm supposed to move. I understand equipment, the proper mindset, terrain, all of those things. 
This summer, I'm going to take my wife and kids to Acadia in Maine. It's beautiful, but I'm not just going to randomly show up. I've learned a little bit about properly preparing. I've got a map, and I've studied the topographical map, so I know what's going to be good and what's going to be bad as far as trails to follow. I've talked to people who have walked the path before me and listened to their wisdom and what they learned so I could learn a little bit more. I've studied, I've acquired tools and skills, and now I'm at a point where the, the gear that I have, I know how to use it. Much like as we study the Word of God and as we walk the path with people that have walked the path before us and listen to their wisdom as they speak truth into our lives, as we apply what we learn here on Sunday, we can properly orient ourselves as we walk life's path to make sure we're staying on the right trail. I do want to tell you one thing, though. Even when we apply wisdom to our lives, even with all my experience on trails, if I have my family out there walking, there's no guarantee a storm won't come. And when that storm comes, if I'm just walking with folly and I'm basing everything on emotion and what feels good at the moment, it's going to knock me off course. But if I apply wisdom, just like in life, if I apply wisdom that God's given me, when that storm comes, wisdom gives me perspective and perspective allows me to weather that storm without getting angry or frustrated or burned out. It allows me to maintain my course because God's given me that perspective. One of my favorite pastors and authors is Charles Swindoll. And Chuck Swindoll has a quote that I think makes this point in how we address those storms of life as we're trying to walk the path of the wise. And I want to share it with you. Let's listen to what he says. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact that attitude has on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, more important than the past, more important than education, than money, than circumstances than failure, than success, even more important than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, and even a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. This is the key part right here. The only thing we can do is play on that one string that we have. I am convinced that it's our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. I would tell you the only way I've found that I can maintain control of my attitude is if I'm using the wisdom that God's blessed me with to look at life and not get wrapped up in emotions as I look at what's happening, but to stand back and say, okay, godly worldview with his wisdom, how do I interpret this, and what should my perspective be? And I've found that Proverbs 15, 21 applies in those moments. Proverbs 15, 21 says, Folly brings joy only to the one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Second point today, wisdom maintains a straight course. Even when a storm hits you, if you're living and making life's decisions with God's wisdom, you can maintain that storm, that course rather, even through the storms. Now, we have a challenge in our personal growth. If you've been in this church any, any portion of time, you will know that we don't want to just sit here. We want to grow. We want to develop. We're all constantly being discipled, and we're all constantly growing in our walk with God. But we have a tough question when we talk about the path of the wise or the path of the fool. We need to stop right now, and I have a challenge for you. 
Ask yourself right now, this week in your quiet time as you think through the sermon, which path am I on and do I have to make a course adjustment? I would love to tell you this morning that I've never had to make a course adjustment and I've had wisdom my whole life. That in itself would be folly. That's not true. I regularly find that God says, hey son, you need to make a course adjustment. You're kind of off on your own here. Another one of my favorite authors just sums this up beautifully when Dietrich Bonhoeffer says we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. We must not assume that our schedule is our own to manage, but we must allow God to manage it. What does that look like? When I say I'm going to stop right now and assess what path I'm on, when Dietrich Bonhoeffer says let God interrupt your life for a moment, what, is, what does that look like? The beautiful thing is God's Word shows us. In Psalms 90, verse 12, one of my favorite gut-check verses in the Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart for wisdom. Let's break that into two parts. What does it mean to number my days? Here's what it means. Do you know how many days you have on this earth? I don't. I don't know how many days I have on this earth. I do know that in comparison to the eternity I'll spend with my Lord and Savior, my time on earth is very short. I know I have a limited number of days to make an impact for him and to serve him, but I know that he has an amazing plan for my life. I know that before my mom realized she was pregnant, my God knew that he was designing me and creating me and had a plan for me. If I walk the path that he lays out for me and he's offered to order my steps to keep me on that path. So ordering your days or numbering your days is just stopping and taking stock and saying, this life is short, I'm going to take a break and see where I'm at. Do I need to make a course correction? So that's the first part. The second part, what is it to have a heart for wisdom? It's interesting, a heart for wisdom. Not to get a big bucket of wisdom and just have it and say, I've arrived, but to have a true heart for wisdom. What does that look like? It's simply asking yourself, in every area of my life, am I pursuing the things of God? In every small decision and large decision, am I looking at the Word of God and saying in the map of life, true north is God? And I'm going to measure every decision I make off of what God's precepts are. I'm thinking about going over there. What's the Bible say? The Bible says I should really be over here. A heart for God says I'll adjust to that course and I'll follow God. It's as simple as that. Am I following God every day? Am I pursuing God in, our life, in my life? Another part of having a heart for wisdom, though, is understanding wisdom isn't just some commodity. It's not just a stack of wisdom chips that we ask for just when it's convenient for us. And I've done it, and I'm sure if you're honest, you've probably done it too. You're going through life deciding just based on folly, oh, this feels good, that looks good, I'm just going to randomly do whatever feels good to me today. But then it's time to choose a major if you're a college student. God, please give me wisdom in what major to choose. Then I go off and make my own decisions. Oh, getting married. God, please give me wisdom in choosing a spouse. Give me wisdom in buying this house. Is it the right one? That's not what a heart for wisdom is. That's going to God and asking him when you realize you've been doing things on your own and it's a big decision, saying, hey, pour a little bit of wisdom on me for this moment. Is it okay to go to God and ask him for wisdom and decisions? Yes. But it should be part of your everyday life as your heart for wisdom leads you to ask him, God, order my steps this day because I want to stay on the path of the wise. The interesting thing is that I know I've failed in certain areas and I've made a decision based on folly. And I go my own way, I make a decision, and then what's the first thing I do when I realize I'm off track? 
why did God allow me to get here? Why, why did God allow this to happen? And my loving dad upstairs is saying, son, I gave you the path. You're the one that ran over there on your own. I love you, and I have grace, and I'll get you back on the path. But why do we do that? Scripture actually hits that. It says in Proverbs 19.3 exactly what we're talking about. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. When I read that verse, I'll be honest, I thought, that's ridiculous. Why would you run away following your own folly in your own way and then be upset with God? And then I got smacked with reality, and God said, you've done it, son. And so when we look at wisdom, I want to make sure that that's one of the things I remember. Many times when I went my own way, folly led to folly, got me off track, and it wasn't that God did it to me. I wasn't listening to my father who was guiding me. I have conversations with a lot of people, especially these last few months, and they're angry, they're frustrated, they're confused, they're just agitated, and they have a lot of facts. They have a lot of knowledge, and these are people that are intelligent people I love and respect. But the majority of the time when you get to the basis of why they're angry or frustrated or confused, it's because they're looking at all of the knowledge and facts they have with emotion and not stepping back and saying, okay, am I in God's word? Am I walking that life of wisdom? Am I looking at this situation through God's eyes saying, God, give me the wisdom to understand what my actions should be in the context of the chaos I see in my life? There's a very important distinction there. And it's really nice that we know when we walk the, the path of the wise, we can traverse these tough times and our perspective can still be on the God that was God yesterday. He was God when I woke up today and he will be God tomorrow. And he will give us that wisdom. So our third point as we look at what we just talked about, wisdom is a heart issue. It's not a commodity we just get. It's a heart issue that goes day to day. So how do I get wisdom? I was a little kid. I grew up in the church my whole life. And, and what I heard my whole life when I was a little kid is with the graying of the hair comes wisdom. So I remember thinking, wow, Ernie's 94 years old. He goes to my church. That guy must have all the wisdom in the world. Look how gray his hair is. We kind of laugh about that, but we kind of just have this idea that, well, as I get old, I'll get experience, I'll get wise. Here's the problem with that. I know some people that are well on in age, very well educated, very well intelligent, and unfortunately, even though I respect them, they do lack wisdom in their daily life. And I know some very young people over here who don't have a ton of life experience, but they're pursuing God and they're in his word, and because they've asked God for wisdom and they've sought his ways, they have wisdom beyond their years. I don't know if you've been a Christian for 30 or 40 years, or if you've just tuned in to, to see this service for your first time experiencing church, or if you've been a Christian for one or two years and you're still just, just drinking the milk of God's word. But here's how you get wisdom. You ready? It's very complicated. Ask. James is awesome. It's that simple. James 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should just ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. In this world, it's hard to imagine anything just being given to you because you ask for it, but our God is that amazing and he loves you that much. When my children were little, they're older now, but when they were little, if they came up and said, Dad, I'm thirsty, do you think I handed them a shovel and said, go dig a well, there's water under there? I didn't. I said, let me get you a drink of water. Dad, I'm hungry. Get a job and buy some food. Now, if you have teenagers and college students living in your house like me, you may be at that point where you're starting to say, get a job and buy some food. But our God is like that loving father who says, you want wisdom? Here you go, son. Here you go, daughter. 
I will give it to you because you asked for it. Perfect example of this in the Bible is, is our friend King Solomon. An amazing, amazing man. When we look at wisdom, I was instantly drawn to King Solomon. Because this is a man, his father was King David. God chose King Solomon and said, you will be the king of my people. And what's his response? He goes to the bronze altar of the Lord and offers a thousand sacrifices. I can't even wrap my head around giving a thousand sacrifices. But he does this, and what happens? God comes to him, and talk about stopping in your life to take stock. God comes to him and says, ask for whatever you want of me, and I will give it to you. Taking a break in life, and stopping and taking stock, and numbering our days, and saying, what do I want? I'm a new king. I'm in charge of God's kingdom. I have God's blessing, and I can have whatever I want. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I would have said what he said. He stepped up. Part of the reason I think he stepped up as a dad reading this is because if you look before this in the Old Testament, there was a time when King David prayed for his son that he would be a good leader, that he would choose wisdom, that he would honor God. And I think as parents, when we pray those prayers over our children, it does have a major impact on their life later on. Let's look what King Solomon says. He answered God, you have shown great kindness to my father David, and you have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern these people of yours? God said to Solomon, this is awesome. Since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, or possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you, and I will also give you wealth and possessions and honor, such as no king before you has had, and none after you will have. The beauty of this story as we look at King Solomon is the fourth point. The choice between wisdom and folly is yours. It's mine. If we ask God, he said he will give it to us. We see an example in King Solomon where he stayed true to that promise, and it's just as true today. The choice between wisdom and folly is ours. So you say, okay, I, I get it. I understand folly. I understand wisdom. I understand we can get it from God, but how do I grow in my wisdom? How do I learn to, to make sure every decision is following that path of the wise? I, I can't do that on my own. You're right. Neither can I. That's why God has given us community. That's why God has given us this church. Here we talk about gathering together and growing in groups and living it out. How does wisdom factor into that? Well, when we gather together, whether we're in the church building or when we're being the church as we are right now and we're, we're meeting this way, the bottom line is you are always learning and we are always hearing precepts from God's word. We are growing in our knowledge and we are growing in the precepts. We're growing in the guidance God has for us so that we can have that wisdom to interpret and make decisions in our life. That is how we gather together. We grow together in groups. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I will tell you in my small group, I grow because the men and women around me speak truth into my life. Sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's accountability, but I need both because they're sharpening me. 
So in the area of wisdom, as we grow in those groups, I can ask people, hey, I haven't walked this part of life. Here's how I see God's guidance helping me make this decision. What do you think? And when I look at God's word, and when I seek his wisdom, and when I pray, and when I meditate on what he tells me, and when I listen to the wisdom of godly voices speaking into my life in those groups, it helps me stay on track on that path of the wise. And I stay where God has me and where he has those blessings for me. And what does living it out have to do with wisdom? Living it out, that's your everyday life. That's, that's once again remembering that you're not a Christian at church on Sunday or when you're watching this right now, and then you're at work, you know, you're a worker at work. We are God's children all the time. And our heart for wisdom should traverse every area of our lives. And if you're a mom taking your kids shopping, or if you're working at a store, or if you're working in a factory, or if you're teaching in a class, or if you're a student in a classroom, when you walk the path of the wise, people are going to have questions. When I talk to youth, I always tell them, if you go three weeks and no one asks you what's different about how you view life, you might want to reevaluate whether people can tell you're living for God or not. Because when we live it out, people go, wait, you're, you're experiencing the same chaos in this world I am right now. You have uncertainty, you don't know about money, jobs, family, all these things that are coming up, but you seem to be okay with it. Why? Here's how easy living it out is. It's looking someone in the face and saying, hey, I'm far from perfect, and that's why I need God. But because I've chosen to follow God, he's given me perspective through this that I can trust him, and I'm okay. I acknowledge things get scary. I acknowledge my emotions, but they don't rule me. That would be folly. I choose to path, the path of wisdom, and God's taking care of me. And you can have that too. They will be hungry for that and want some of that. As we wrap up, and as we look at how God has ordered our lives, if we choose the path for wisdom, I want to go back to our friend King Solomon. I would love to tell you that Solomon lived out to his old days in perfection, never made a mistake, applied the wisdom he had that God gave him, and he was just a perfect role model who never screwed up. But here's the thing. When we look at Proverbs 4.23 and it says, keep your heart with diligence for out of it springs the issues of life, there's a point in King Solomon's life where he didn't keep his heart. He said, I've followed God, I've seen the value of God in everything he has in my life, but I'm kind of curious about this folly stuff. Maybe I'll go chase that for a little while. And what happened is he said, I'm going to go out and try the worldly things. I'm going to chase them and see what the difference is. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not a good idea, but let's look at what we learned from him. It's amazing to me because the book of Ecclesiastes, for some strange reason, just wasn't on my radar for years. I love it now. Because we're given a list in Ecclesiastes of all these things that he chased in folly. And today, centuries later, the list has not changed. This is Solomon's list of what he said. Pursuing this and trying to figure these things out without God's wisdom is folly. It's wasted time. Listen to this list and tell me if anything sounds familiar for what we're looking at today. Human wisdom, pleasure, achievement, labor, accumulation, unshared lives, the human condition, politics, false worship, wealth, materialism, prosperity, defiance, wickedness, injustice, and strength. Notice he doesn't say that these aren't things worth looking at. He says to pursue an understanding of these things by yourself with the world's understanding without God's wisdom is folly. Ecclesiastes 7.23, 
he says, so I turned my mind to understand, to investigate and to search out wisdom and the scheme of things, to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. Fifth point, only wickedness leads to fulfillment. He tried the world's folly. This man who is the most wise person in the history of the world, there's documented cases of other world leaders of that time traveling great distances just to observe him as he held court because the way he did things was amazing. And this man is telling us today, even though I had wisdom, I went and checked out the folly thing and I tried to understand the world and the issues of the world without looking at it through the wisdom God gives. And it was folly. Last thing I'm going to give you is an amazing answer to a question we've all heard. Have you ever heard somebody say, what is the meaning of life? I have. It's been asked for decades, for generations, what is the meaning of life? Did you know that King Solomon actually gave us the answer to that? After his whole life, after living with wisdom and leading as a godly king, and then after folly, he came back around and here's what he said. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and I leave you with this scripture from the wisest man that ever walked the face of this earth. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of this matter. Looking at wisdom and folly, here's what it comes to. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You and I have a God who loves us very much. You and I have a God who will order our steps and has had an amazing plan to bless us and give us a future and a hope from the time we were conceived. And we have a God who has given us a guidebook if we're willing to follow it. We have a guide who wants to keep us on the straight path of the wise, not because he wants to keep us on a short leash and keep us from experiencing things, but because he knows, I designed you as your God and I know what will fulfill you. And the only thing that can fulfill you and fill those gaps in your life is me. And if you stay on the path I give you, you will experience that fulfillment. As you take a break this week and look at your life and say, do I need a course adjustment? If the answer is yes, no, you are not alone. I make course adjustments all the time. That's why we're here. We constantly adjust. But I encourage you, take the time, put in the effort, ask God for wisdom. He'll bless you with it. And as you choose the path of the wise and not the path of folly, you will experience all the blessings he has for you and you will have a perspective that helps you stay the course even through troubled times. Church, I love you. It was an honor for me to be able to spend this time with you. Have a blessed week. I will be praying for you all week long. Take care until we see you again.